everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. We are starting a brand new series of episodes and we're going to actually split this series up into a couple of a uh, couple of pieces. So we're going to be doing a um, a special uh, obviously special broadcast for Easter. And uh, we're going to do something a little bit, uh, a little bit different the following week. I'm not even sure what that is. We may, we may just cancel the podcast and not have one that week. I might post an audio of the service. We have a children's Sunday happening at the church, and um, a lot of what's going to be happening that day is going to be very visual. I'm not sure how it would translate to a uh, to a podcast. So we'll we'll figure out something. But um, what we're going to do is the first half of our series is going to happen over the course of the next three weeks. And uh, then the second half will happen after that Children's Sunday. So we'll have kind of a two-week two break in the middle of it. <clears throat> um, our new series is called Wired. And uh, I want to start off in, in uh, the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite or devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit is against the flesh. For those are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. Uh, let me just ask you a question here. Have you ever felt like you were at war with yourself? Uh, like there was this war going on inside of you where it was like you against you. This is what it's talking about here. Your spirit and your flesh are at war. Your flesh always wants to do what is sinful. Your spirit always wants to do what is holy. And your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your ability to choose, <clears throat> is kind of caught in the middle having to choose between those two at any, at any point in time. They're in opposition to one another, and it says in order to keep you from doing whatever you want, because you can't do whatever you want if you want two different things that are in opposition to each other. Your spirit wants one thing, your flesh wants another. But here's what it says. If you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities. And, and by the way, if you think, oh, witchcraft, I don't, I don't do that. Um, the, the word that we get the word witchcraft from is the, the Greek word pharmakia. It's where we get the word pharmacy from. It refers to mind-altering drugs. So that is included in that. Um, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, um, envy, drunkenness, carousing, things like these, of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not become boastful, challenging one another, or envying one another. The series that uh, <clears throat> we're doing here, again, it, it's going to be a little, little different. Uh, because we are breaking this up into two parts, and, and basically it'll be six parts, but two halves. Um, <clears throat> and, and in this series, what we're going to talk about is simply this. We're going to talk about what it means to make yourself ready for the power of God to flow in your life. Our, our theme this year is fresh power. We are expecting God to move in our lives. We're expecting God to move in our church and expecting God to move in our families and in our marriages and in our relationships and our work and everything else. And we're expecting that God is going to do that. <clears throat> but if we expect that, then we really need to make sure we are preparing ourselves for it. And this series is going to focus on that. It's going to focus, focus on making us ready. How do you make yourself ready for the power of God to flow in your life. <clears throat> um, if you've ever felt like there should be more to your life than you're experiencing, then this series is for you. If you've ever felt like your life was missing power, then this series is for you. If you ever felt like there was something missing that would make life more meaningful, this series, it's for you. And if you've ever felt disconnected from God, this series is for you. Matter of fact, if you've ever felt like you were missing hope, then this series is for you. Let me ask you, what, what comes to mind when you think about power flowing? You know, to me, I think about electricity. What do you say when electricity at your house stops flowing? You say, well, I've lost power. Right? Electricity requires very specific things in order for it to flow from one place to another. There are things called insulators that completely stop the power flow. Things like rubber and wood, right? Those are insulators. Those are things that completely stop electricity from flowing. Uh, there's things called resistors, right? And those are, um, <clears throat> those are things that allow electricity to flow, but not really well. Right? Effectively, they take a lot of the power that's coming in one side and they turn it into a lot less power on the other side. Then there's things like conductors, right? Called conductors and, and conductors, things like copper, uh, things like water, right? They allow power to flow freely. And there's even things called capacitors. These are like batteries. They allow electricity to flow through them, but not just that. They also store up and save power for later. And, and the thing is that in the same way, there are things in our lives that can cause the power of God to flow freely through us and into everything that we do. And then there's things that can store up power for future use. There's also things that can restrict how much God can move in our lives or even stop power from flowing in our lives altogether. So in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at three categories and we're going to look at these same three categories twice. In the first half of our series, we're going to look at these three. And in the second half, we're gonna go back and look at these three categories again. <clears throat> the three categories, we're going to call them upward, inward, and outward. These categories represent our relationship with God, our view of ourselves, how we relate to others, right? Those are the three categories. Upward is how we relate to God. Inward is how we view ourselves and how we relate to ourselves. And then outward is how we view and relate to others. 
In the first half of this series, these next three episodes, we're going to be looking at the insulators and resistors found in each of these categories. The things that hinder or completely stop the flow of God's power in your life. If you ever want God to work in your life unhindered, you need to deal with these areas first. After the children's Sunday's over and we go into our second half, we're going to talk about conductors and capacitors, right? The things that make it easy for the power of God to flow freely in your life, or even that store up power that you can use at a, at a later point. But I want to deal with <clears throat> insulators first and deal with um, these um, um, resistors first, because you can have all the best wiring in the world. I, I, I could I could show you and, and, and I could go through the things that, that enhance the power of God in your life. But here's the problem. <clears throat> you can take a, an electrical system that is just okay, and you can improve it with phenomenal wiring that would make the electricity flow much, much, much better. But if there is an insulator right in the middle of that circuit, if there's something in there that stops the flow completely, then you've just wasted your time. It is much, much more important to deal with the thing that that causes the the problems. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to do that first, and and what I want to do is as we go through this, uh, it is going to be a, a challenging few episodes. I would simply ask you to do this: keep your heart open, keep your mind open, your eyes open, your ears open. Listen for God to prompt you, and I fully expect that if you do that. And there is something in your life that is either stopping or hindering the flow of God's power that he'll speak to you and he will set you free of that. But it only happens if we're willing to hear God speak, if we're open to hear our our, uh, Heavenly Father speak to us and to respond to that call. See, in order for electricity to flow, there's got to be a circuit. What does that mean? Well, it means that there must be a place for the power to come from and there must be a place for it to go into. Uh, if the circuit is not complete, there will be no flow of power. It's one of the reasons why if you're in you know, um, an electrical storm, if you're dealing with uh, uh, electricity, that kind of things, having like rubber boots is a, is a big deal. Um, you're not making contact with the ground in a way that completes that circuit and it, it's, a, it's a safeguard. Uh, if you're wearing rubber gloves, Right, there's no there's no flow of electricity into you because it breaks that circuit. A circuit has to be complete, and if the circuit's not complete, there's no flow of power. In the same way, God works in partnership with us. There's a there's a place for God's power to come from, that's him, and there's a place that it must go into, and that's us. And God works, his power flows in partnership with us. It's a circuit. He doesn't override our free will. He does not force himself on us. And so keeping this in mind, we're going to see there are things that we can do that limit God. And no, that's not because we're more powerful than he is. It's because there is a divine order that God has chosen to use in this world. And that order requires voluntary relationship. For the next three episodes, we're going to talk about the things that can restrict or even stop the power of God from flowing in our lives. And we're going to look at it in these three categories. And in this episode, we're particularly going to look at upward insulators and upward resistors, right? The things that are dealing with our relationship with God and things that, and then, and then in the next episode, we're going to look at the, the inward facing and we're, we're going to look at some more insulators and, and resistors. And then in the third week, we're going to look at outward, how, how are we dealing with other people and things that, that, that can be in there that can be these things. Um, 
My hope is that when these next three weeks are over, that you will be set free of anything in your life that is keeping you from living freely and anything that's keeping you from a relationship with your loving Heavenly Father. So let's let's just jump right into it. And that's kind of the, the intro for the series. Let's just jump right into this. It, it is uh, We're going to begin with upward insulators. Again, these are things that completely stop the flow of God's power in your life. It is spiritual rubber to the power of God. And there's two of them we're going to look at in this episode. There are more, but again, those fall into these other categories that we'll get into. Um, in dealing with our connection to God, uh, there's a couple that I wanted to show you in this episode, okay? Uh, the first one is sin. And this is a word that <clears throat> I don't have to really explain. I think we we all have uh, some basic understanding of what sin is, um, and we have defined that before. But essentially, essentially, sin is something that separates us from God. You know, if, if Isaiah fifty nine one to two it says this: Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your wrongdoings have caused a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so he does not hear. In other words, God is able to save. He is able to to hear. He he has all of those capabilities and power to do all of that. But what happens is, is sin separates us. And I, I want to be clear, too, this is not the same as stumbling. Okay, It's not the same person as uh, as a failure. It's not the same. It's not the same thing. That's not what I'm in, in in this category of insulator. That's not what I'm talking about here. And that's that's not what we even read about earlier. And I'll explain that in a minute. It's not the same as stumbling. Proverbs twenty four sixteen says this: For a righteous person falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of disaster. The righteous person falls seven times. So clearly, falling is not the same as this type of sin we're talking about. And I'll explain a little bit more about what I mean by that in a minute. But when we're talking about the type of sin that causes God to not hear our prayers, we're talking about the type of sin that completely separate us and 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 and, and destroy a, a, a relationship or a potential relationship with God. We're not talking about to stumble or to fall. Because what that is, to stumble or to fall, it's to have a moment of weakness, to repent, and then to do your best not to fall again. And if you do, you repent, you get up again, and you keep trying and you keep going. Let me go back to what we read at the beginning. In Galatians 5, 19 to 21, it says, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, <clears throat> impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, right, or, or mind-altering drugs, hostilities, Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. In other words, if yours isn't on the list, it still might be on the list because he says, and and things like these, right? So maybe yours isn't on the list, but it's like those, okay? And he says this, of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's where some of you are expecting me to beat you up. I'm not going to do that. In fact, I want to give you some hope because I want to point out the wording of this. It's very, very important. It says that those who practice such things, 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, this is not referring to a one-time thing, nor does this refer to struggles with your own human sinful nature or prolonged battles with addiction or something similar. Here's what I mean by that. If you're struggling with it, you're not practicing it. Struggling implies weakness, but it does not imply surrender. The person who will not inherit the kingdom of God has cut themselves off from God. That's the person who is unrepentantly living in a lifestyle of sin. This is a person who's trying, uh, not trying, sorry, to do better. It's a person who's not trying to make changes to avoid temptation or even publicly celebrating their sin. And it's like, oh, nobody would publicly celebrate their sin. No, hop on social media for five minutes and just scroll. And you're going to see a whole lot of selfies where people are like, hey, everybody, look at my sin. Right. This is kind of this kind of just the, the, the way we we live now as a culture. We celebrate sin. We have we have months dedicated to it. Right. We have months that are totally dedicated to that, to, to just celebrating pride, right? Pride is, read in the Bible, the word pride in the Bible never implies something good, right? It, it, it's it's something that we, we do regularly as a culture is we celebrate sin. The person I'm talking about, it's not somebody who's struggling. It's not somebody who recognizes that they are in a battle. It's not someone who is fighting to do better. It's not someone who is repenting and trying to live holy and is just dealing with the weakness of their flesh, That's not what this is talking about. This is saying someone who practices such things. This is talking about someone who has surrendered to it. This is talking about someone who is celebrating it. It's talking about someone who is no longer making, and maybe they did. Maybe at one point they tried and they tried and they tried and it just wasn't working and they gave up and they gave into it. But now they know that is who this is talking about. And let me just say, if you are in a place where you are unrepentantly living in sin, you're in danger. And until you repent, there's no need for you to ask God to use you, to bless you, to give you spiritual gifts because your sin is separating God from you. And as we read earlier in Isaiah, our sins cause God to not hear us. The only prayer that he will hear from you is a prayer of repentance. Until you say that prayer, there's no point in any other prayer. There's no point in asking God to, to bless you or to heal somebody, right? That happens all the time. People who have absolutely deserted God and abandoned God and, and, and have completely uh, celebrated their sin, have no, no desire to make anything right with God. They, 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 somebody they love gets sick and then they pray that God would heal them and God doesn't. And then they get mad at God. So God, how could you not? How could you not answer this prayer? Well, that's the answer right there. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Isaiah 59.2. You've got to deal with that first. If you are unrepentantly living and practicing sin, you're in a very, very dangerous place. You've got to deal with that first because until you do, you have no claim to anything in the kingdom of God. According to scripture, until you repent, there's no other prayer that God is even going to hear. And if that's you, I would simply say this. Don't wait for this episode to finish. Ask God to forgive you right now. Hit the pause button. Say that prayer. Resolve to make changes immediately. 
The second insulator that stops the flow of God's power in our life is callous unbelief. And by the way, I'm not saying unbelief. I'm saying callous unbelief. There's a difference. Zechariah 7, 11 to 13, it says, but they refused to pay attention. They turned a stubborn shoulder and they plugged their ears from hearing. They also made their hearts as hard as diamond. So they could not hear the law and the words which God of armies, which the Lord of armies had sent by his spirit through the prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of armies and just as he called and they would not listen. So they called and I would not listen, says the Lord of armies. This is not the same thing as doubt. It's not the same thing as simply not believing in God. There are people who have doubts. There are people who who don't believe. For whatever reason, they're just not there yet. Maybe they did believe at one point something happened and it, 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 it triggered something in them. Um, that's not what this is talking about. This is a person who does not believe and then refuses to hear anything that might change their mind. This is a person who is callous and hard-hearted. It's the person who is plugging their ears saying, la, 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 la. There have been many brilliant atheists in history who searched for truth and had their minds changed by what they found. But there are a great number of people who believe what they believe, there is no God, and then they refuse to even acknowledge that things might exist that might change their mind. If a person does not yet believe, it's fine. And maybe maybe somebody sent you this podcast and that's that's where you are at. You just you just don't believe. You're just not there. It's okay. But don't refuse to listen to truth. Don't refuse to acknowledge things that contradict your belief when they come up because they will. God has made himself very apparent. There is so much in all of creation. There is so much that is easy to point at and say, this does not make sense without a God. There are a lot of those things out there. And there are a lot of atheists that as they begin to explore the sciences, the sciences themselves changed their mind. Those things exist, but if you don't believe, if that's not where you're at, I get that. It's it's fine, but just don't refuse the truth. Don't refuse anything that contradicts what you think you already know. Because the thing is that until a person stops hardening their heart, if they until they open their eyes and their ears, they can't expect God to listen to them when they suddenly ask for something. Repentance must come first. So those are the insulators. Those are the things that totally stop the flow of God in your life. But what about the resistors? What about the upward resistors? What about the things that don't stop the flow of God in your life, but they hinder it? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a few. The first one is, is struggles or prolonged battles. Now I mentioned earlier that these are not insulators. They're not things that completely cut you off from God, but these things will hinder God's ability to flow in your life. God will still be there. He will still be working, but it's muted. It's dulled. It's not what it could be if you were truly free of these things, right? It might not disconnect you from God, but it does hinder the flow of God's power. In other words, you're not surrendered to your addiction or sinful power, uh, a sinful pattern. You're not surrendered to it. You're repentant, but you just haven't won the fight yet. 
You're still falling regularly and you keep getting back up and you keep fighting. You're still trying, but maybe you haven't yet taken that scary step that you know you need to do in order to win the fight. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe maybe where you're at right now is you're at a place of fighting, losing, falling, repenting, getting back up, fighting again, and you keep fighting and you keep losing. But you don't stay down. You keep getting back up. You keep trying again. And this maybe has gone on for years. If you're being really honest with yourself, would you be willing to admit that you probably know something you could do that would give you a much better chance of winning, but it's the one thing that you have refused to do because it scares you too much? Maybe that thing is no longer fighting alone. And I'm not talking about fighting with God. I'm not talking about, well, I'll pray harder. That's not what I'm talking about. And you know it. For many, this means no longer keeping that fight secret. Often the power of these sins or the power of these struggles, the power that comes from secrecy and shame, and that shame causes you to go back into the shadows And often the power comes from that. And sunlight oftentimes is the best disinfectant. And I think you already know that if this is where you're at. And maybe you you haven't done that because you're afraid. You're, You're afraid of what that person might think, or you're afraid of what the side effects might be, right? What's what's gonna be the the consequences of this? How might it affect? Here here's what I would tell you if this is if this is you. Number one. Do not stop fighting. That's that's the first thing. Don't stop fighting. You may have been fighting for years and years and years and years. Do not surrender to it. Continue to fight the good fight, even if the way you're fighting it is not the most uh, wise way to do it. Even if the way that you're fighting it is not effective, fighting it ineffectively is better than surrendering to it. Continue to fight, but... Get an accountability partner and do it together. Tell somebody about it. Bring someone else in. Confess this to somebody. Deal with it with somebody because to do this alone is a recipe for failure and you will continue to fight and to struggle and to fight and to struggle and to fight and to struggle. And as long as you continue to get back up, God can still use you kind of, but not in the same way as he can use you when you are finally fully free. Get an accountability partner and do it together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them fails, the one will lift up his companion. Sorry, if one of them falls, the other will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. We need each other. The uh, The second resistor I want to talk about is doubt. And doubt involves, and again, this is what I talked about before, right? Is the callous unbelief completely stops everything. But doubt is a little different. Doubt is often it involves us putting our focus on the wrong things. Um, it, it would be like, like Peter walking in the water and then all of a sudden he looks at the storm instead of Jesus, right? Doubt involves us focusing on the problem instead of the problem solver. It focuses on us uh, focusing on the disease instead of on the great physician. It focuses, it causes us to focus on our issue, our pain, our struggle, instead of the Prince of Peace who gives us hope. 
when we put our focus on the wrong things, it creates doubt inside of us. And those doubts hinder the flow of God's power in our life. And by the way, doubts are are normal and doubts don't hinder anything when we don't dwell on them. Okay. It is absolutely perfectly normal for you to have a doubt pop into your head every once in a while. And that's especially true when God asks you to do something you've never done before. Doubt is a, is a regular, normal reaction. It is, it is okay to feel that. I'm not talking about feeling that in the moment. I'm talking about when we stop and we begin to dwell on that doubt. Because when we do that, we hinder God's ability to move in our lives. Because when we focus on the doubt, there will become a lot of things that we refuse to do our part on. And remember, as I said before, electricity requires a circuit. God requires voluntary participation from us. And when we focus so much on our doubts, there become a lot of things we refuse to do. In fact, we we um, we see this happen with Jesus. Uh, no, Jesus did not have doubt. That's what I'm talking about. When Jesus visited his hometown, <clears throat> the Bible says that he was limited in his ability to perform miracles because of the doubt that was present there. Now, I want us to, to understand something very important about this. Jesus did perform some miracles there, right? The, the doubts of the people did not completely stop the flow of God in their town, but it greatly restricted the flow of God. That's what doubt does. It, it, that's what these type. When I talk about resistors, that's what I'm talking about. God can do some things through us. It's just far less than He could do if these things were not present. the uh, The next resistor I want to I want to talk about is is fear. And if I had to give you a word to describe fear, a different a different word, and this might be this might be new to some of you, um, but in essence, fear is distrust. That's that's what fear is. In order to fear something, there must be a level of distrust present. Okay, for instance, I fear spiders because I don't trust them not to bite me. <laughs> I fear heights. Because I don't trust that my body will be able to handle the landing if I fall. And I fear my circumstances when I don't trust God to get me through them. If you are dealing with fear, then the question to ask, number one, is what is it that I'm afraid of? Try to define that. Try to try to narrow it down. What is it that I'm actually afraid of? And then number two, what what is the distrust that is the root of this? What is the distrust um, that is underlying this this principle? And and ultimately, do we trust God to get us through or not? Do I trust that God is able to do this? Is able to get me through this? Is able to uh, do I do I trust that God is um, is going to follow through with what He told me? Right. So maybe maybe God promised you something, or or that God spoke to you about something, and. and uh, maybe you read something in scripture and, and there's this promise and you're just not seeing it in your life and it's it's causing fear because there's distrust that God might, is it that you're afraid and distrusting that God is going to keep his promise? So here's the thing, when we walk in fear, what we're doing is we place our trust in the wrong places or the wrong people. Have you ever made a bad decision out of fear? that caused you to trust the wrong people or to not trust the right people? Or maybe you've done what I've done and you've been 
you've made a decision out of fear that you could only trust yourself. And then pretty quickly afterward, you realize, nope, that was a bad idea. I shouldn't have done that. I couldn't, I couldn't have trusted myself. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I was the wrong person. You ever been there? Here's the thing. As long as we walk in fear, we hinder the flow of God's power in our life. We don't stop it. Again, this isn't something that totally cuts off God's power in our life. It just, it hinders it. Here's another one. Wrong ideas about God. Our traditions, our misconceptions, our limited understanding of God can actually put him in a box. For instance, as one example, there's a lot of people that believe God's only willing to bless those who are good enough. And so they strive to be good enough. Now, I, you can't see me. So when I say the words good enough, imagine I'm doing air quotes. Because um, here's, here's the thing. There, there's no such thing as good enough. Okay, you're already good enough. You're already good enough. You already are so valuable that you can't even fathom it, right? There, you ever you ever heard of saying that something's only worth what what a person will pay for it? Uh, people have this collectible item and tell you how much it's worth, and it's like, well, yeah, but what what will someone actually pay for it? Well, nothing. Then it's not worth anything. Doesn't matter what you say the book value is. If no one's willing to pay it, it's not worth that, right? Do you know how much God paid for you? That's what you're worth. That's what you're worth. Do you know how much God, God gave his life? Jesus gave his life for you. God sent his son to die for you. That's how much you're worth. A person is worth what, what has been paid for them. And God bought your salvation. He paid his son for you. He gave his life for you. But there's this lie that we have to be good enough. And so God only blesses those who are good enough. So I have to strive to be good enough. And then as a result, they can't believe that God wants good things for them where they are. Because if you're in this mindset of I have to be good enough, you're going to find that you never hit that bar. Because you could always be a little bit better. See, these people often miss blessings and opportunities and spiritual callings because they're not looking for or willing to accept them until they feel they're good enough, and they never do. When we put a limit on God, when we put a box around God, what we do is we actually are limiting the ways he can move because we limit the ways that we'll be willing to hear and respond to his directions. And how can God's power flow freely through someone who's trying to control it? And the last one we're going to talk about in this episode is past anger, resentment, or bitterness toward God. Some of us have been through some things that we just, we can't understand how God could allow it. Maybe we lost someone. Maybe we have some kind of a physical ailment, a disability, or um, some kind of a a disease that, that there's no cure for. Maybe we were abused. Maybe we were abandoned. Or maybe we even made some really bad choices when we were young and naive. And and we don't understand, God, how come you couldn't have stopped those things? Why didn't you step in? How, how, how could you allow that? And it has caused within us these strong, deep feelings attached to those things. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's maybe it's something else, but these strong feelings of attachment to these moments of pain and trauma and hurt, of abuse or neglect, of betrayal, 
of loss. These things, if we're not careful, can have deep feelings attached to them, and those feelings can grow into something that is very, very unhealthy. Feelings like these, they don't stop God's power in our life, but until we can accept that he's God and we're not, that he knows what's best even when we don't understand, we absolutely hinder God's power in our life. Because the simple fact is this, we live in a world that is broken by sin. It is broken by sin. And that brokenness affects us all in powerful and meaningful ways all the time. We carry around with us flesh that is broken by sin, that has been ravaged by sin, that has been mutilated by sin. We have a flesh that is constantly desiring sinful behavior. And here's the thing, the brokenness that I'm talking about that affects all of us is not a result of God's plan going bad. That's how some people interpret that. God's plan went bad, and as a result, we have sin. <clears throat> God's plan went bad, and as a result, the world was broken. That is not at all the case. God's plan never went bad. God's plan was perfect at the beginning, and it's still perfect now. The result of the bro- or the, the brokenness we have is not the result of God's plan going bad. It's the result of mankind choosing our plan over his. And when we did that, when human beings did that, when mankind did that, it broke everything that we were attached to and connected with. And God had put the world under man, had given man dominion over the world. And so when we sinned, when we chose our own will over his, everything that we were over Everything that mankind was over, which was this world, was broken by that sin. And mankind was broken by that sin. And so a lot of the things that we experience that we aim at God, this anger, this resentment, because because we were betrayed or because someone died or got sick or because we were abandoned or abused or because we have this these diseases or because things were set upon us, all of those things are a result of the brokenness in this world that comes from people who choose their own plan over God's. But we aim it at God and say, God, how could you allow this? And God's saying, that was never my plan. But people are abusing their free will. And it brought all of this into the world that was never supposed to be in this world. God's plan is still perfect. But here's the thing, as long as we live in a world where people will choose their will over God's, there will always be pain, there will always be sickness, there will always be death, there will always be abuse, there will always be selfishness, and every other bad thing that exists will continue to exist as long as there is sin in this world. Because those things are a result of sin. The question is this, do you have any of these things in your life? If you have an insulator present in your life, something that is completely separating you from God, there are two possibilities. Either you're walking around with an absolute hole in your life that only God can fill. Your life is empty. You have no joy. Maybe moments of happiness, but you don't have that real joy. You feel 
guilty all the time. You've got this lack of purpose or direction in your life. Either that's where you are or you are in a far more dangerous place where you've ignored God's tugging on your conscience for so long that you have become callous and numb to it. You don't even feel guilty about anything anymore. You don't feel God pulling on your heart anymore because God stopped pulling on it. He's turned you over to your sin. Romans 1 actually talks about this, calling it a depraved or a reprobate mind. And if you're doing something that you know is wrong in your mind, you know it's wrong, but you don't feel guilty about it, you really, really, really need to read the last half of that chapter, Romans 1. And then you need to pray hard that God will soften your heart and convict you again because you are in a dangerous place. But what about the other ones, Pastor? What about the things that they're not stopping God? They're just hindering Him. But what about the resistors? Well, let me ask you these questions. Do you feel like life is dull? You feel like the joy in your life is there, but maybe it's weak or subdued or muted? Maybe there's things you used to enjoy and then that enjoyment's just not there anymore. You used to love doing this, but you can't find joy in it anymore. There's a, a longing for something more, but you don't even know what that is. It could be that one of those things is present in your life causing that issue. And, and again, there are other insulators. There are other resistors. And we're going to talk about those in the coming weeks when we get into the other categories. But let me just say this, and then we're going we're gonna to close out this, this episode. Either way, God can take care of those things right now. And he wants you to let him. You got to turn those over to him. You got to give those over to him. You need to repent. You need to ask God for help. You need to, you need to surrender those. You need to make the step that you know you need to make. And trust God to do a healing work in you because when that happens, you're going to find a freedom that you didn't even know was possible. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us in New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.